We're on the second Sunday of the season of Advent, and Advent is a strange sort of time. There's an obvious way in which the strangeness of the season manifests itself. While the secular world all around us gears up for Christmas with full tinsel shimmer and holiday music glee, the season of the church year is filled with urgence to wait, to prepare, to quiet down, to watch, to keep awake. The mood of Advent is not celebratory so much as solemn, in marked contrast to the it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas pageantry going on all around us. And this is a season of contrast, of darkness and of light, as days continue to shorten and nights lengthen. The candlelight of Advent is, by its very nature, a juxtaposition, a flickering in the dark. Advent is perched on an edge. Advent is strange in a less obvious way as well. The texts of Advent, during this season of waiting for the coming of the Christ child, do not proceed in neat, step-by-step fashion from prediction to preparation to prophetic fulfillment. Rather, time in our Advent stories seems to exist outside of the boundaries of chronology. Take, just as an example, today's Gospel reading from Luke. Here we are, we're in the second Sunday of Advent, and we've jumped ahead to a story about John the Baptist in the wilderness, well after the birth of Jesus that we're supposedly waiting for. In fact, where we are in the story this morning is just before Jesus' baptism and the beginning of Jesus' adult ministry. We also heard Paul's words to the church in Philippi with his prayer for the day of Christ, by which Paul means not the birth of baby Jesus in a manger, but the future second coming of this Jesus. So here we are in the second Sunday of Advent, waiting for something that, in the words we read, has already happened, and maybe will even happen again. Time in Advent is strange. And this strange chronological mashup is even more evident because the Gospel text from Luke is so very, very time-bound. Let me just read again the not exactly scintillating words that open our Gospel reading today. In the 15th year of the reign of the Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis and Lysanias ruler of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. This is the wrong way to start the story, right? You should start the story by saying, the word of God came to John. Like, that's the dramatic part, right? And then maybe you could footnote the list of rulers and priests and reigns, etc., etc., etc. But the writer of Luke's gospel seems to make this, this choice quite intentionally. We, the hearers of the story, know at the very beginning that this is not once upon a time or a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is not the outside-of-time vagaries of a fairy tale or a fantasy epic. This is a story grounded in a very specific place, a very specific time, a very specific political and religious and social context. We need to know that context, the story seems to tell us, in order for this coming of the word of God to make much sense to us. 
And while scholars struggle to pin down exactly what year these various reigns and priesthoods would line up with, narratively, the point's been made. The story you're about to hear happens in time. And this matters greatly, because things that happen in time also happen in reality. They happen, so to speak, in the flesh. Which is exactly where we end up by the end of this morning's gospel reading. All flesh, the text says, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Not all spirits, not all souls, not even all people, all flesh. God's salvation, the Greek word, by the way, could be translated just as easily as healing or making whole. The salvation, the healing, the making whole of God will be experienced in the flesh. And so Advent time is strange, for while we cannot seem to settle narratively on whether we are talking about the past or the present or the future, we at the same time are being told directly that Advent time is not timeless. This thing we are preparing for, waiting for, paying attention to, keeping awake for, it is a thing that happens in the flesh, in real time. The images called up by today's texts of the leveling of heights and the filling of depths, the throwing off of sorrow and affliction, the harvesting of righteousness and the overflowing of love, these are not, Luke's gospel seems to be telling us, realities of some imagined future, but of the here and the now, of this place, of this time. Yes, even under these powerful and corrupt political and religious authorities, the word of the Lord comes right here. And yet we wait, and we prepare for some future manifestation of this immediate demand. How do you make sense of the strange contradictions, the strange time of Advent? I'm reminded of a story told by the great Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, Dean Emeritus of Marsh Chapel at Boston University, and a mentor to Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a story that um, I didn't intend to be as appropriate for the snowy day that we have here this morning. Thurman once wrote, Several years ago, I spent three wintry days visiting Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia. A young medical student drove me in his car to keep various appointments. There was quite a ceremony every time he started out. First, he would let out his clutch slowly, applying the gas very gently as he chanted, even a little energy applied directly to an object, however large, will move it if steadily applied and given sufficient time to work. Not once during our experience was our car stalled in the snow. Thurman goes on to say this. Of course, this young man knew how to wait. Waiting was not inactivity. It was not resignation. It was a dynamic process. Sometimes, Thurman writes, I think that patience is one of the great characteristics that distinguishes God from humans. God knows how to wait dynamically. Everybody else is in a hurry. Some things cannot be forced, but they must unfold sending their tendrils deep into the heart of life, gathering strength and power with the unfolding days. 
to borrow Dr. Thurman's language this morning, Advent is not forced, but it must unfold. And as it unfolds, as it sends its tendrils deep into our hearts, we find ourselves recipients of the Word of God, not in some timeless, disembodied neverland, but here, now, in real time, in the flesh, in times like these. I need this Advent time. I am, I confess, often in a hurry for all the wrong reasons. A fear of missing appointments, a need to look busy, a rushing on to the next thing. I am too often driven by time, a victim of time, expending my little energy frenetically in all directions, rather than allowing for the steady unfolding of that which is essential. Our Advent narratives are not on to the next thing, and then the next, and then the next. Rather, they orbit in time around the heart of things, the salvation which all flesh will see. It seems to me, looking around at times like these, that the mountains and valleys which stand between the way of the Lord and all flesh are as high and as deep as ever. The divisions and barriers which keep us separated into our small worlds have not, despite all the promises of technology and globalization, disappeared, but have all the more so dug in their heels. The splitting up of all flesh into different kinds of flesh, different kinds of skin, different races and nationalities and ethnicities and political silos seems to me to continue unabated. The economic gaps which separate rich from poor seem only to deepen and deepen, and sometimes these seem to me like immovable mountains to flatten, unbridgeable valleys to fill. And yet, as Dr. Thurman's young chauffeur reminds us, even a little energy applied directly to an object, however large, will move it, if steadily applied and given sufficient time to work. And so we begin now, even with our limited human energy, steadily applying it to the mountains and valleys of injustice, of violence, of disease, of addiction, of ignorance, of fear. Steadily applying our little energies to the barriers which seem to stand between our very human flesh and the healing of God. Steadily applying our voices, our actions, our prayers, our attention, giving even our little energies sufficient time to work. Perhaps Advent time, however strange, is sufficient time to work.